Hello and welcome to the Eat, Train, Recover podcast. I'm your host, fitness professional Justin Jefferson. This podcast covers all things fitness, nutrition, and wellness and is dedicated to helping everyday individuals live the fittest and healthiest life possible. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the E-Train Recover Show. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If this is your first time listening to the show, I appreciate you being here as well. In today's episode, we're going to be covering 10 common fitness myths that have been swirling around for quite a while. Some are more common than others, but I do want to make sure you guys have the right information. Myth number one, um, and this one's not as common as it used to be, but I still do hear it from time to time. and It's that women shouldn't do resistance training or they should watch how much resistance training they're doing because it's going to make them bulky. Um, And some would say bulky and masculine like a man and put on all this muscle and and get all jacked up. And the truth is that's simply not true. Um, The bodies of men and women are just so biologically different. Um, And the key point being men have much higher testosterone levels, which is the key factor in putting on muscle. Testosterone has a few roles that it plays in the body, but um, a big role it plays is going to be putting on muscle tissue. And because men have so much more testosterone uh, than ladies do, it is just it would be really, really, really difficult for a man and a woman on the on a similar fitness program to achieve the same amount of muscle growth. You know, and along with that, with the testosterone levels being different, you also have to be in a pretty, pretty big caloric surplus, meaning you have to be eating a ton of calories as well for that to happen. So understand this is a myth. Resistance training will not make women bulky. Uh, So ladies, if this is something that has scared you off in the past or bothered you, don't worry. Resistance training is very beneficial. It will it will help you put on some some lean muscle tissue. It will help increase your your metabolic rate, your metabolism, um, your resting metabolism because that's controlled by how much lean muscle mass you have. Uh, it'll help you get stronger, injury prevention, and just a, a ton of benefits. But it is not going to make you bulky or any less ladylike if that is your concern. All right. So moving right along to myth number two, and this one is something that. Um, I still hear from time to time um, is that eating five or six meals a day speeds up or increases your metabolism. And that's a myth. That is simply not true. There is no data or research that shows that it actually increases your metabolic rate. Um, Typically now this can be helpful to break your your meals up into instead of saying maybe three bigger meals to five smaller meals. If you've had an issue, let's say overeating, right? Within those big meals, you find yourself starving in between meals. So you overeat at the next meal. That's where this can be helpful and useful. Um, You know, so from a standpoint of satiation, right? Where you're satisfied so that by the time the next meal comes, you're not starving. You can just eat the right amount of food that you need. But eating more times per day, like whether it's five meals, six meals, I've seen people seven, which again, that's definitely not something I'd be willing to try myself. But when we're talking about from a scientific standpoint and research and data, we're talking about your metabolism, eating five or six meals a day does not increase your metabolism. Okay. So keep that in mind. Now, again, if it's for just satisfaction, satiation, things like that, fine, but don't look forward to increase the amount of calories that you're going to burn in a day because that simply will not happen. Okay. All right. Moving on to the next one here. 
if you are not this the next myth, if you're not sore after your workout, it didn't count or you didn't get a good workout in. And that's another another myth. That's simply a myth. Um, soreness is not a direct indication of how good or effective your workout was. And this is something, you know, it's that we hear from time to time. Um, like soreness can come from can, can be a result of, you know, doing a new exercise, going, you know, changing the tempo up you know, in your exercise, increasing the weight, like, you know, making any type of progression, right? <laughs> Doing something that your body's not used to, adding that prog- a different type of progressive overload, that can literally, you know, elicit some soreness. But that doesn't mean that you didn't get a good workout in or it wasn't a beneficial workout if you did not get sore. Everybody's body's different, right? I still do get sore from time to time, but I'm not sore after every workout and I'm still making progress. Right. So don't look for soreness as an indicator of how well your workout went. Um, Remember, your body starts to adapt to things right into movement patterns and you get stronger and things like that. So soreness is not going to be the same as it was, especially, you know, after your first workout. You know, that's that's a whole nother level of soreness. Right. If you haven't worked out ever or even in a while and you, you know, you get back into it and you feel like you can't move the next day. you don't have to look for that type of feeling just to feel like you got a good workout in, right? Just make sure you are progressing your program. Make sure it's still challenging you. Um, and, and and along with soreness, the same thing with sweating as well, right? It's just because you didn't sweat doesn't mean you didn't get a good workout. And everyone's different. Some people can sweat playing a video game, <laughs> you know, and some people can move around, dance around, jump around and not sweat as much. Um, it's just your body can be very different from the next person's. But soreness is not a direct indicator of how effective or how good your workout is. All right. So don't measure that as uh, a marker. Next up, and this is one that I definitely wanted to touch on um, because it's not I don't think it's talked about enough. Um, It does get discussed, but not talked about enough um, when it comes to just breaking down information for people and a big myth that I see is that everyone should be squatting below 90 degrees. Now, here's the thing about squatting below 90 degrees. Everyone is not equipped for that. Everyone is not ready for that. And even sometimes structurally, some, some people's bodies will not allow for that, right? If a person has a longer femur and things like that, you'll notice sometimes basketball players, you know, taller basketball players or taller people in general, can have I've seen it. They've had tr- they'll have trouble. Good hip mobility, good ankle mobility, right? All the muscles are firing properly, but they're still going to have trouble getting into a certain squat pattern just because their femur is longer, right? So anatomically, they're a little bit different. But an even bigger concern concern than this, and more common, is going to be with mobility issues, right? If your hips are not mobile enough, or your ankles are not mobile enough, uh, maybe your core isn't isn't strong enough. It could be a couple of different things that could cause you to not have the greatest squat pattern or greatest squat form. And one of the, the telltale signs that I'll look at when a person is squatting, is just, just one of the few, is I'm looking at the lumbar spine or the, or the lower back, right? And if, if you're dropping into a squat pattern and you're trying to get to 90 degrees, and what I mean by 90 degrees is getting um, your hips pretty much at the same level as your knees, right? Like that same height getting to that 90 degree angle, creating a 90 degree angle um, with your legs in that squat pattern. But so anyway, I'll look at that lower back and typically you want your lumbar spine, your lower back to stay in extension, right? So it's it's nice and flat. We don't want it to start to hook 
a curve underneath at the bottom of the squat. So that's one of the things I'm looking at when a person is squatting. So I've had a client be able to get that low, but their lumbar spine is kind of losing its stability and it's starting to go into to flexion, right? And if you look at your joints, typically they go in unison, right? You'll have a, you know, one joint is, is responsible for mobility, then, then the joint above it is for stability, right? That's typically how you work. And if we're going to look at like your body, like your ankle is a pivot joint, right? That's mobile. And then what's above the ankle? Your knee. That's a hinge joint. Stable. Then your hip is mobile. And your lower back is to stabilize your lumbar. Your thoracic spine, which is the middle, is mobile, right? And then we go up to the cervical, stable. And the same thing with your arms, right? Wrist, elbow, shoulder. So that's typically how it works. So if I'm looking at the lumbar spine where that needs to be stable, I want to make sure that that's staying in extension throughout that squat. So this is just one of the things that I'm looking at when a person is squatting and I can tell right away, okay, squatting below 90, squatting to 90 degrees is not for you right now. So we're going to do some corrective exercises and figure out why that's happening. And that can be from whether it's hips being tight, um, it could be poor ankle mobility, there could be core, you know, we core, it could be a number of things, right? Depending on the person, that's why it's important to get an assessment uh, with a fitness professional. Now, that's what that, so that's what I'm looking at. So I'll say, all right, we're going to regress you a little bit and maybe we'll do a box squat. We'll squat to a bench and we're going to, we're going to look and make sure the spine is staying in extension. Um, maybe we need to elevate their heels, right? And that's actually a great way to help get a little bit more range of motion, but also, um, you know, to make up for lack of mobility. And that is not a permanent fix for, for like for my clients. I like to make sure we can use that to get them to get through the pattern properly and safely until we can address whatever the issue is, you know, from a, a corrective exercise standpoint. A corrective exercise could be like a mobility exercise uh, so, or to something to do with mobility stretching or even um, some type of muscular activation drill as well. But everyone should not be squatting below 90 degrees, you know, if you cannot keep your spine in extension, if you cannot have, you know, good squat posture, right? We don't want that chest completely falling forward. Typically, we want to align the angle of your shin, your shin, the bottom of your leg, with your spine, like as close as possible. We kind of want those to be pretty similar in our squat, right? Keeping the entire foot on the ground, making sure that we are keeping the weight through our legs, through our quads, hamstrings, and glutes, not putting a ton of pressure on the knees, um, and, you know, and not trying to keep the, the knees behind the toes, you know, as much as we can. Okay. But that's typically one of the things that I want to talk about. Squatting below 90 is fine, but it's not for everyone at every given time. Okay. Next myth we're going to move along to is cardio is the most important for fat loss. And this is very common. Um, and folks have put, you know, the fact that Oh, cardio is going to help me burn, you know, burn calories and, and then I'm going to sweat a lot and they feel like they got a good workout and this is going to be the most important for fat loss. And cardio does have its place. It's great for your heart health. Um, it is great for, you know, burning additional calories and things like that. But when we're talking about just from a fat loss standpoint, what's going to be the most beneficial overall um, from an exercise, exercise wise is going to be resistance training. You know, as we stated uh, earlier um, in, the, in the episode, building that lean muscle tissue is going to be super important because that's what directly um, controls your resting metabolic rate, right? Your resting metabolic rate. Resistance training is is the absolute key, absolute key to building 
lean muscle tissue, and that's going to be the key driver of your metabolism. Just look at it like this. Think about like if you have a car, if you have a four-cylinder car versus uh, an eight-cylinder car or a 12-cylinder car, what's going to require more gasoline for you to drive 100 miles, right? That four-cylinder will go a lot further than that eight or 12-cylinder will right? It needs more fuel. So think of muscle as like cylinders in a car, right? The more muscle you have, the more fuel your body requires, right? So if you have more muscle, you need more calories, right? So typically that's how that works. Your body's going to be burning more, right? You're going to be burning more with that muscle. So you want to uh, increase your metabolism, lift some weights. It's going to increase that resting metabolism. And that's actually going to be more important than that one hour a day of work working out or 45 minutes because I look I put it to you like this you can be exercising even if you're doing an hour a day five days a week that's five hours a week which is great but there are 168 hours in a week right so you have to account for the other 163 hours and what if I if I told you that you can increase the amount of calories you're burning at rest when you're not working out you'll you'll have a greater level of success when it comes to a fat loss standpoint um, as long as you're staying in that caloric deficit, all right? So understand cardio has its place. It's good for your um, your heart health. You know, it's it's very beneficial for that. Um, but you're going to want to make sure you're getting your resistance training in. And I always say prioritize resistance training minimum two to three days a week, okay? Two to three days a week. Um, two days at minimum, just because you have something called supercompensation that can happen. If you're not, if you work out on Monday and you don't do anything again for a few days, after about three or four days, your body can start to regress back towards to where it was before that workout. So you want to kind of catch that and keep making progress forward. All right. So resistance training is the most important training type type of training when it comes to fat loss. All right. All right. Moving along. Next myth. <clears throat> and this is kind of a, a funny one because it's it's a tricky. It's kind of a, not tricky, but I, I, I can understand why people have confused it. But I just wanted to to kind of touch on it is and the myth is that muscle weighs more than fat. And the truth is muscle does not weigh more than fat. They weigh the same 10 pounds of muscle weighs the same as 10 pounds of fat, right? It, we say that because they look very different, right? On the surface and like when they're packaged together, like when we're, you know, wearing clothing, for instance, if, if a person is 160 pounds and they are majority of their body's muscle mass. It's going to look different than a person who's 160 pounds where that person does not have a lot of muscle and they are mostly body fat, right? It's like having $1,000 in singles, right? A single dollar in $1 bills and $1,000 in $20 bills, right? Which is going to be easy to carry? Which is going to be more compact, right? $1,000 in 20s, much easier to manage, much easier to carry. So you're going to want to make sure that you're remembering they do weigh the same, right? Um, they both have the same value in the sense of that they're still both $1,000, right? It's still both $1,000, but one it looks much different than the other and it's easier to carry. And the same with, with, with our muscle versus fat, right? 10 or 20, that's 20 pounds of body fat and 20 pounds of muscle. They weigh the same, like they're worth the same in a sense of just weight, but they're much, much different in the forms of how they appear and how easy it is for us to, to carry them around. All right, next up, we have uh, ab exercises help you to reduce belly fat. And I'm going to go in and throw in waist trainers too, 
um, waist trainers as well. And you see them all over the internet. Um, and just to be honest, like, and I'm, I may step on a few toes here, um, waist trainers do not reduce body fat at all. They, that's just not how that works. They do not reduce your body fat. They will squeeze your organs together, which is probably not the healthiest thing for you. But they do not reduce belly fat in any way, shape, or form. Um, and doing ab exercises and crunches or anything like that will not reduce belly fat. The only thing that can reduce your, your, your belly fat is reducing your body fat in general. And that's going to come from being in a caloric deficit. Number one, eating more calories than your body's burning, right? So your body can start to uh, tap into your fat stores. Um, and then also we talked about the resistance training, right? It's going to help you with that deficit, right? It's going to help you burn more calories. So just understand that, um, just doing, focusing on ab exercises, it will strengthen your core. It will strengthen the muscle. Absolutely. It will help the your core get stronger. You'll see the ab muscles grow. But as far as reducing belly fat, ab exercises or waist trainers, neither one of them will actually do that. Okay. So, excuse me. I had a little hiccup there. Keep that in mind. All right. So next up. Oh, here's, here's one here. If, if you stop resistance training, your muscle turns into fat. I'm going to say that again, right? This is a myth, guys. This is a myth. If you stop resistance training, muscle turns into fat. And that's not true. That is 100% not true. The truth is your muscle does uh, what's called atrophy. So it'll break down. It'll get smaller. It'll reduce it in size, but it does not actually change over uh, into fat. Um, now when you do lose muscle, keep in mind, right? Cause we talked about how muscle controls your, met your resting metabolic rate. When you lose muscle tissue, what actually happens is your metabolism does go down. It does decrease. So your body's ability to burn, burn body's body's need, excuse me, to burn calories does decrease, right? So that can lead to weight gain and it can look like muscle turns into fat. In all reality, it does not turn to fat. They are two separate things, right? They are two separate things. It's just that when that muscle starts to atrophy, metabolism slows a bit. And um, if, you know, if your muscles atrophy, that means your habits have probably changed, right? Maybe you're not as active. You're not doing resistance training and nutrition may have changed. You're not getting, getting enough protein in. That can all lead to uh, an increase in body fat. So it can look like that, but your muscle does not actually turn into fat. You just lose muscle and gain fat, right? When you, or, or what we like to do is gain muscle and lose fat, right? you know, depending on what your goal is. But that's typically um, the truth behind that, okay? Muscle does not turn into fat. Um, we lose muscle, we gain fat. We gain muscle, we lose fat. All right, next up, long static stretches before your workout, uh, should be done before your workout. That's like the long holds. Think of your static stretch where you're, like, you're holding for like 30 seconds, 35 seconds in one position. And then you, you know, you get up, you lean into another position, you're holding, right? And the biggest myth is that you should be doing this before you work out. It's going to prevent injury and things like that. And the truth is um, that it's not. You should actually be doing more of, of what's called active stretching before you work out, or what I like to call a dynamic warm-up. So active stretching would be going through those same patterns, necessarily, but not necessarily holding, right? So maybe going through that motion when you reach down, touch your toes, hold for say three to three to three to four seconds, come back up, go back down, go back up, go back down for a certain amount of reps, right? But you, the longer holds, we like to save for after the workout. 
Um, this actually, the longer static stretches, they, they actually activate what's called your parasympathetic nervous system. So that's part of what controls and tells your body it's time to relax and recover, right? So we really don't want our bodies to be relaxing and recovering before we work out. We want to go through active stretching, um, and we want to make sure we're going through all three planes of motion, your sagittal, frontal, and transverse plane, and try to re really hit the, the planes that you're going to be exercising in that day. Um, so we want to just make sure we're doing a dynamic warm-up in all planes of motion so that it can be completely beneficial to us. And then the static stretching, which are the long holds, will be done uh, after the workout. All right. All right. Next up, we have as long as you're eating clean, you don't have to worry about your portions or how much you're taking in. Um, and there are people who still do believe this. Um, they think it's just all about eating clean and eating clean. The term eating clean is kind of gotten out of hand in a sense because we've paid more attention now. So yes, we're eating better quality food, which is good, right? We want food that's going to be beneficial to your body, right? Food's going to help you with your energy levels, going to make sure you're getting enough nutrients in and things like that. But understand that we still need to eat the right amount of food, right? It's still about energy balance. So um, well, if you just want to maintain your weight, lose weight, gain weight. You have to eat the right amount of food. If you want to lose weight, you still got to be in that caloric deficit. You know, so if you're eating, you know, what, you know, what you believe is healthier foods and, and better food options, that's, that's a great start. And that'll help you bring calories down if you're coming over from eating a lot of processed and, and unhealthy foods. But we still want to be mindful of how much we're taking in because it is possible to eat healthy foods and still gain weight if you're in a caloric surplus. So you're still going to want to be in that deficit, all right? So portions do matter, no matter how healthy the food that you the foods that you eat are. All right. And finally, to close this out, um, the biggest myth is that rest days are not necessary or don't matter, the whole no pain, no gain, or or no days off. My opinion, um I, I don't I don't want to call it silly, but it's it's it's, 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 it is kind of silly to me because you do need recovery days. You do need time to recover. Um, and then how much recovery we need, you know, does depend off of intensity, does depend off of, you know, each individual person. Age can become a factor, a lot of different things. But typically make sure you have at minimum at least one rest day per week if you're hitting it pretty hard. If you're hitting it pretty hard, like really, really hard, maybe, maybe two rest days. or And a rest day doesn't mean you can't do anything, right? We can get those recovery sessions and those extended mobility sessions, you know, getting into some, some foam, foam rolling, doing some static stretching on those days, those longer holds, like just making sure that our body is giving, given the best chance to recover, right? Because if we want our muscles to grow, the only time our bodies can really grow is during that recovery period, right? So that's why it's important to get enough sleep, right? As much as we can definitely get that seven, nine, seven to nine hours of sleep per night, um, but also make sure we have those rest days, give your body time to recover. Um, you know, try not to get so restless to the point where you feel like you have to go work out and hit it hard for an hour. Um, and it's okay to walk on your recovery days and your rest days. If you feel like you want to get up and do something, go walk, get some walking in. That's fine. Perfectly fine to do that, but give yourself enough time to recover. Your recovery can be just as important as the workout. Um, and if you're not recovering properly, um, I mean, you're going to put yourself at a greater risk of, of strain, of strains, different injuries like strains and stress fractures. Uh, you can have joint pain that can start to happen. You can get shin splints. 
Um, it can lead to which and all those can lead to, to even bigger issues. Right. And and also we need to pay attention to your central nervous system as well. That can start to overload if you're not recovering enough um, and you, you go into something what's called overtraining. And, and you start to feel sick and, and less less energy, and it's just not a good feeling. So you want to make sure that you're giving your body adequate rest and adequate recovery. All right? All right, guys, so that wraps it for today. I just wanted to cover uh, those myths. I, I hope you found this helpful. Um, if you in, found value in today's episode of the podcast or if you, if you do listen to each and every episode, and you feel that you have friends and family members that, are find, that will find value, please do share it. Um, I'd love to just spread this information with as many people as possible. And if you are enjoying the podcast, please leave us a review wherever you're listening. Um, it helps spread and, and, and leave information for more people so that we can get more people to tune in and share all of this great information with, all right? Uh, you guys can connect with me directly. On Instagram, Mr. JFit, that's M-R underscore J-A-Y-F-I-T. You can shoot me, and it's the same on Twitter as well. You can shoot me an email. It's going to be Justin, J-U-S-T-I-N, at JFitLife, J-A-Y-F-I-T-L-I-F-E.com. Um, and, you know, give me some feedback. Let me know what you guys want to hear, what episodes that you'd like to hear in the future. And we will have some guests coming up um, in the next few, uh, few episodes coming. So stay tuned for that. But thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, guys, stay healthy, stay safe, and I will talk to you soon.